0: Welcome back episode number 87 of the New York Rangers podcast in partnership with Inside the Rink. I'm your host Jacob Berkowitz and I'm alongside my co-host Luca. Brett will not be with us today. We're honored to have on NHL reporter and NYR beat writer Molly Walker from the New York Post. But first, just want to let you guys know to go to insidetherink.com slash ESPN to subscribe to ESPN plus to watch games and more. And yeah, let's get to it. And we are back with NHL reporter and NYR beat writer Molly Walker. Molly, How's it going?
1: pretty good how are you guys
2: you know we're we're pretty good we're I feel like it's just we're all kind of in like the dog days of summer right now and I Mm -hmm. I, just after talking to you for like two minutes I feel like we're we're on the same page in that regard with terms of hockey
1: oh Um, yeah this has been the longest off season that I've ever had since uh covering New York hockey
2: (laughs) Yeah, so I'm going to start – we're going to start off with a really fun question here. I think that this is really – we're going to split the atom right here and we're going to open up a whole new world of NHL oh free agency, all right? Ready. If the Knicks sign Tarasenko to a huge signing bonus, could the Rangers <laughs> then sign him to a low AAV?
1: Uh, I, like I, – I, I hate to say it. Like, we've been writing it since the end of the season. Like, there was – really no world that Kane or Tarasenko were going to be able to come back. Like I I just, I, I feel bad for, you know, all the people on Twitter.com and all the fans that are just so genuinely still holding on to hope and have been since the end of the season. But it's like, guys, it's not like we haven't told you from the very beginning, like, Tarasenko in particular, I mean, he he naturally holds himself in a higher regard in, in terms of what he thinks he should be making a year, and, and that's understandable. And it was just something the, Ran- the Rangers never even made him an offer. The yeah. Rangers, you know, they had to pivot, and they had to go the route that they took. And, and signing all these over 30 guys to max $825,000 contracts didn't even sniff a million. That was really the only route that they were able to take if they wanted to round out the lineup um, and get the necessary depth to take into next season with NHLers, you know, not just banking on the guys that they do have in Hartford or just in the farm system. They needed to do what they did in order to have stability going into this upcoming season.
0: (laughs) Yeah, going into this offseason, it kind of seems like this would be Honestly, with the UFA signings Chris Gray made, you know, it's kind of encouraging and surprising because yeah. everyone thought UFA day is absolutely nothing. Right. Uh, but with the obviously regarding the kids with Lafreniere, it seems like it should have been like a cut and dry case with him. Um, why do you think it hasn't happened yet?
1: I think that it's they contract. wanted, yeah, 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 I think, yeah. sorry. Yeah. No, I knew what you meant. Um, I think that they wanted to see where the rest of the money we you know what they have now, because, you know, if they were to hypothetically go for Lafreniere Miller first, um, you know, maybe that would have screwed them out of, you know, doing what they were what they did and rounding out the lineups and getting the ne- necessary depth. I think it was probably better off for the Rangers in the position that they were in to do what they needed to do around those guys assuming that they were going to be able to reach an agreement with them no matter what um and just see where the cap space fell so i i wouldn't look too far into it that it's taking time i think it was a cap thing and wanting to see what they were going to have available and you know they clearly did budget for it um so those two guys are obviously going to be making over a million dollars but you know that was the thing they that's why they needed to sign such cheap one year, two year deals like they did.
2: That makes a lot more sense. And I I do. I love that because it does really, it it just makes so much more sense. Cause like sometimes, especially with like, I don't, I feel like, and maybe this is just me, but a lot of us are like kind of skittish on the young kids sometimes. And like, Naturally. I, especially after like the last few with like Kratsov and Lias Anderson both like asking out. Like, it's just yep. like, I want them to sign their contract already before something right. stupid happens. So, right. mm-hmm. yeah, you're right. That just makes a whole heck of a lot of sense. Um, switching back to last year, what do you think the Rangers' biggest problem was? And that's a whole, that's a pretty big meatball. But what, what do you think the biggest actual problem that they had was?
1: Well, I, I'm still hung up on the playoffs. Um, mm. You know, that was, it was a really interesting series and in how it unfolded. And I think it did say a lot about this Rangers group's probably biggest issue. And I do think that it's compete. I think that it does it, the first round you get shut out as many times as you do in the first round of the playoffs against a team that hadn't been in the playoffs in as long as they hadn't. It just shows a little bit of lack of heart, a little bit of lack of drive, a little bit lack of that tenacity and that little special something that they so had during their run to the conference final. And I definitely think that is a testament to And we saw it pop up at the beginning of the season. They clearly had a playoff hangover. You know, you don't go that far. And I I remember asking Artemi about this and he only disagreed because he feels like maybe that would be a valid excuse if they had made it to the finals. But you get that far and then you're back to square one and you know that's a mental toll that none of us could ever understand you know you're back at the bottom of the mountain staring up at 82 g- games and three playoff rounds to get just to where where you finished off last year yeah. it's a very daunting task so i think it made their skates a little bit you know way down a little bit harder and it was a little bit difficult to get up for games each and every night um But obviously, you know, Jacob Truba throws his helmet. You know, we get some emotion pumped into the locker room and the whole season is turned around and they're back on track. But that also goes to show, I think, what the core is capable of. And those first two games of the first round, I was thinking to myself, wow, all right, we might be going to the cup this year. I I really, I really, you know, that was a team that could win the Stanley Cup. I believed it. Um so to see it collapse like it did it's not so much i don't i don't think it's not so much what they were missing you know tangibly in terms of skill or speed or you know whatever it is it it just was a lack of drive a lack of a lack of vision and it just kind of all fell off the course before anybody was able to grab it i feel and so that's why right. i think that that is something that Laviolette can bring. That's something that he's known for. He has some fire, some passion. He can deliver a motivating speech from time to time. And you know who else can Blake Wheeler. And Mm -hmm. I think that that's also something that he is going to bring to the lineup. So I think that yes, you know, you can call the coaching search uninspiring and it was a very shallow pool and all those things can be true, but it's also true that Peter LaViolette was far and away the most qualified guy available, and I think he has an intangible that the Rangers need. So I think he said a lot of the right things during the press conference, and I'm very excited to see how he runs his practices, how he runs training camp, because I'll tell you, you know, they practiced for like 35 minutes under Gerard Gohan. It, it really, it was, it felt like, you know, but he, that's, that's also who Gerard Gallant is. Very hands-off, not-in-your-face, very, you know, it's-up-to-you kind of guy. And I think the Rangers, at the by the end of two years of that, wanted a little bit more. You know, they, they've just been all over the place. They go from David Quinn, who's, you know, a little overbearing, wants maybe more of a relationship than some of the veteran players are comfortable with, and then they go to Gerard Gallant, who is the complete opposite breath of fresh air hands off you know just go and play give me your all but no real emphasis on the x's and o's and the logistics of you know what they need to do they need a bit of a happy medium and i think la violette could be that happy medium
0: yeah no a hundred percent i was worried going into this that are they going to go to the extreme now and just do the absolute hammer after the offhands approach or you know the the medium route and it seems with the uh bench as it is now with the coaches you know it seems like that's gonna happen um so going on to this upcoming season with the free agent uh acquisitions what do you think is going to be the weakness of this team
1: well suddenly they've gone from being one of the youngest teams in the league to probably one of the oldest. Um, And that, I think, comes with its own set of obstacles. I think the Rangers have gotten very lucky with injuries in the past few seasons. They could have a couple more older guys up front in particular. So, you know... You never wish for that to be an issue, but it is a bit of a change of the genetic makeup of the team. And they are a little bit older, which, you know, comes with maybe being a step slower. But I still think that if you look at it, obviously, it's still the same core. It's still the same blend of veterans and young players. Um, But the supporting cast that they brought in, you know, it's not Dryden Hunt, but, you know, Dryden Hunt also didn't work out. So, you know, they just went in a different direction in a direction that fit what they were capable of doing under their cap circumstance. So I think that, you know, if you are going to pinpoint what could be a weakness, it could be all the extras that cut the side effects, if you will, of becoming an older team. Um, but with that also comes more experience, more veteran leadership, things that, you know, are important in the playoffs Players who have won, Jonathan Quick has his name on that cup three times. Um, Blake Wheeler was the captain in Winnipeg. So I think that it could also be beneficial in a way. But it's going to come down to their compete level. and, And I think the way that they, you know, change the narrative here. And, you know, I posed this question to a bunch of them at a breakup day at the end of the season. You know, they all want this first round blimp blip or whatever to just be a part of the bigger story of their journey to winning the stanley cup and i do think that it could be because i think it was a very valuable learning lesson for them
2: absolutely it's interesting too because like obviously you mentioned we we mentioned it like i think it was last week's episode about how the team knocked on wood has just been so healthy the past few years and mm-hmm. like that it's it, it's you know it's just a law of like averages like it's not going to always be that way and but with that being said you have you you've gotten a lot older in the role positions they also have a lot of young players knocking at the door that like could if, if someone gets hurt kind of step up so I feel like it's they're kind of in a really good position to where if they do get some key injuries they have potentially I mean the young players could just completely flub it and not actually you know succeed but they have potential that if those players do get hurt or whatever, uh, I do feel like there is some depth to the system right now that we haven't really seen in the past. Uh, so it's just interesting. I feel like, and also like you could say, they got older and slower, and yet you can ins- insert those young kids too, to kind of have some speed as well. So they're in a really weird position where it's like, they could be I feel like, they can have a old lineup one night and then kind of go young the like the next night. Um which is really interesting, but I I don't really remember seeing it so much uh, in the past, at least Uh, past few years, especially because it's just been very, very young. Um, Yeah.
1: I feel like, I feel like, I feel like they do have depth to a degree. I think that it's, I think that if you look at the lineup that they have and the guys who have just broken in Keandre Miller, Zach Jones, um, they do have a lot of the guys who they have been nurturing, in the system are already in the lineup really right now off the top of my head. The only two guys that are right underneath is Brennan Othman and Will Cooley. Brennan Othman needs a full season in in the American league. Um, there's no doubt about that. I think that they know that I think Othman knows it, you know, even, even though Othman was very, very stern and saying he's, he's looking to make the roster this year, which of course he is, they all are. But yeah. I think that the Rangers know that, from experience, as you mentioned, Leo Sanderson and Vitali Kraftsov that rushing these young talent, you know, is not the route that they want to take. Will Cooley got his four game cameo. But again, Will Cooley is a bottom six guy. So, you know, do you think it's more beneficial for him to be getting top line minutes in the American Hockey League for another season or so or fourth line minutes? in the nhl so mm. that's also kind of a, a double-edged sword there too so they you know they obviously don't want to be in a position where they have to dip into the american league but you're right those two guys are are probably knocking on the door a little bit in the next couple of years
2: you know speaking about the kids obviously the, the development camp was last week uh this is I I think the majority of the of the players there are jury's first batch of draft picks, kind of so to speak. Um, how are they faring compared to the previous regime's draft picks? Is that something that people are talking about at all, or is it just kind of, you know, it's the same status quo? We don't really know yet until they develop more. Like it's a development camp. Some of these kids were just drafted a week ago.
1: Exactly. It's so it's so hard to tell. These kids are 18 years old. Um, It's it's hard to gauge exactly where they're at, you know, at this moment in time. It looked like a good group. I mean, I could talk to Adam Sakura every day of the week and twice on Sunday. The kid is just absolute Danny Rojas for my Ted Lasso fans like (laughs) hockey hockey is life hockey is life just gives off that vibe um just happy to be there kind of guy so i think that they've got a lot of character kids in the system right now which i think is also probably something that they pivoted towards um in terms of their scouting uh so it's it's so difficult to tell it would be unfair to try and compare one class to another they're still so young Um, but they looked great out there and looked like they had a lot of fun. You're working hard with the skating coaches um, and it was a good, it was a good week.
0: Yeah. With uh, the everyone's saying that when he comes (laughs) to the Rangers, he's going to be the fan favorite.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, And yeah, we keep on hearing that and I've seen, uh, I've watched, you know, his games and highlights and it's just this player battles the speed. It's just, he's he's got heart. Yeah, exactly. he's got a
1: lot of heart. He plays with a lot of heart and it just comes through.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, he, he, it seems like he's definitely going to be a fan favorite.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, going to the, uh, jumping over to the sixth spot here for the preseason is Gustafson gets that sixth defenseman spot, which it seems like he is. What do you think happens to Jones?
1: Well, I think they're probably going to be the sixth and seventh Um on the roster, I know for a fact that the Rangers are not looking to waive Zach Jones in any way, shape, or form. No matter what, he's going to have to go through waivers, and there's a really good chance somebody would pick him up for nothing. Yeah. And I don't think that the Rangers want that to happen. I think that they want to give him a fair shot before doing that. So, you know, I I think it's I I do think that the spot is Zach Jones is to lose. I really do. Um, just in terms of of his skill set too, but you know, again, Gust- I don't. I don't even want to butcher it. Gustafson. Gust. Gustavus. Gustavus.
0: I believe it's Gustafson, but Gustafson.
1: Gustafson. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Cool so, enough. I think that I think it'll be a nice little battle. Um. Ben Harper will certainly be in that mix too. You know, obviously Zach Jones. Standing up next to those guys, that's that's the biggest uh, obstacle for him, but he also has his own skill set. He's, you know, a puck moving defenseman. He can quarterback the second power play. Um, And I think that he'll have every opportunity to do so. It's just a matter of him capitalizing on the opportunity, but that's going to be a fun battle, fun training camp battle to watch.
0: Right. Yeah, no, um, the reason why I kind of lean personally to Gustafson is because like he was Laviolette's uh, player back in Washington. So I, I figured with the, you know, the connection there and maybe, I don't know if this would be the proper wording for it, but the safe option, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. But uh, yeah.
1: I mean, I, I think that I think that they know that they have to find out what they have in Zach Jones. And for those, for that reason, I think no matter what, he'll be on the starting, you know, roster um, opening night roster. Um, You know, maybe I I doubt that they'll want to see something similar to last season where Jones gets three games, gets pulled out, a game gets pulled out, four games gets pulled out. You know, that's not conducive to development whatsoever so i don't i think that they're going to choose one run with it for a while until something else need until change is needed i guess and i think that it is going to be jones's to lose right out of training camp
2: yeah that's interesting i actually didn't you know i love that idea more of giving him an actual chance to succeed yeah Uh, because I, I, in my head, once they saw Gustafsson, I'm butchering it now. I don't know. (laughs) uh, I got to wait for Sam to say it. Uh, I know. I got to
1: ask. I want to ask him personally how to say it before I say it. That's my thing. (laughs) it's,
2: It's the off season. So we, we, we have, we have a, we have a reprieve, I guess. Um, but. I, I, when they signed him, I, I kind of thought I was like, "Man, I, I hope that this isn't the end for him, and I hope they really do give Jones a shot." But I, I, I like hearing you say that because I, I do think that is kind of the they are. Now, you know? They definitely
1: yeah. are. I mean, he's okay. you know he's a organizationally you know grown kid and yeah, and you know he's done well in the American League, one of the most consistent guys in the American League. So I definitely think that they want to see where he can fit. And if he can fit, and you know, at the same time, if not, they're showcasing him. So,
2: yeah, exactly. Um. All right. So obviously, like you know, we have been talking about like the, the team and and the way that everything has gone to so far. But I we had we had Vince on and we had Colin on. Uh. And so we've we I always just curious when we ask the same reporters who kind of follow the team along, what's your favorite NHL city to visit?
1: Oh, good question. I, those, I have to give, I got to give like a top three because I just can't pick one. Um, no, that's, that's fine. <laughs> uh, I love, I love Montreal. Every time I go to Montreal, I just feel like I'm transported back to like the origin of hockey and taking in a game at Bell Center is next to none. It It just, it doesn't matter what is going on with the team, what state the team is in, The place is always packed, always loud, always rowdy to the extent that Canadians can get rowdy, Um, but it's, it just feels like there's so much history there and so much history in the city and it's beautiful and everybody's nice and everybody loves hockey too. I love going to Canada in general for that because you walk into any bar and it's not football, it's not basketball, it's all hockey, huge contrast from the States, so Montreal is really far up there I also love Vancouver um I've never seen mountains like I've seen in in Vancouver and it gives me a New York City vibes a little bit just much cleaner and and much nicer Mm uh but similar hustle and bustle kind of vibes which I love um although the Canucks uh media accommodations are absolute crap so that's something that we've been trying to work on as the professional hockey writers association it's something that we're we're working on um and then i also i've spent a lot of time in tampa bay between the islanders conference final run and then the rangers rangers conference final run there i've spent a lot of time there um so they they have really great hotels in that area and i love the arena and it's right on you the water. Know, conference
2: finals time in Tampa is also a good time to be in Tampa.
1: Oh, yeah, it's beautiful. It's like, you know, it's just starting to get like really hot. We went jet skiing last year. It's just it's a great, great city. So those are That's probably awesome. my top three.
0: <laughs> How terrifying is the uh, Scotia Bank?
1: uh yeah it's pretty it's pretty unnerving actually but I it's also it just has so much gives the arena so much character um and it's a lot of fun to to walk that when you get there and and hang over the edge and look down um you know kind of feels like at any moment it could fall but that's kind of the the fun about it isn't it (laughs) Sure. Someone sent a
0: picture of the like the view down, and I'm like, oh no way, I'm not. Yeah, you
1: could see right in on like onto center ice, which I just think is so cool because there's no other arena that we have access to where you can see that. So it's just like a a different view of the ice, I guess you could say, but really cool, really really cool.
2: I've seen a few photos, and it just reminds me of the Jean Claude Van Damme movie, Sudden Death. And like, I just, it, yeah, I don't, you know, and maybe just because the stunts in that movie were so ridiculous, I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm good. I don't I don't need to do that. <laughs> um, what's the best sporting event you've ever personally been to live? It doesn't have to be hockey. It doesn't have to be something you've covered, but what's the best just game, match, anything you've been to?
1: I was so lucky, and even better, I got to do it with Larry. Um, we covered Serena Williams' last match last Mm -hmm. summer at the u.s open and you know i've been a sports fan my whole life been a tennis fan to the extent of i know all the you know major you know i'm not as well versed as you know I'm, i'm trying to put off that i am but i obviously have been watching the williams sisters my entire life and they were just you know as a former athlete myself like they were just the epitome of you know it doesn't matter that you're a woman you can be just as passionate just as you know vulgar you know serena basically taught serena venus basically taught me it was okay to be a competitor and to get to watch her final match was one of the greatest most treasured moments of my entire career it was spectacular just to be able to witness history like that and obviously getting to do it standing next to larry was um a lot of fun for both of us so that was probably one of the coolest matches i ever covered and i also covered uh her and venus did a one final doubles match together too so that was in the same day or same weekend i think so got to do both of those and i'll be doing the u.s open again this year it's uh it's a really great event to to cover it's my fun off-season job
2: <laughs> no that's awesome I I, for some reason in the past like 10 years I've never played tennis but I've really gotten into it and yeah I, and I literally just won $150 this morning
1: uh, oh, so nice. I'm, I'm,
2: I'm loving it I was on there the phone, you go I was on the phone with Berkey we were doing like a pre-interview like phone call and I yelled into the phone that was when <laughs> uh uh, Eubanks won his match and I won a parlay. So that's yeah, why I was, I was young wondering enough, what buddy. that was because like, no the Giants
0: aren't playing for another two months <laughs> and that's the only yeah. time. Uh...
2: But yeah, that, that's what that was about. So yeah, no, I, I, I've never been to the U S open and that's something that like that me and my brother were talking about going this year. Cause it's, I really wanted to,
1: I'd say a close second was the final game at the Coliseum Islanders mm. game six. Yeah. And Anthony Beauvilliers scored an overtime and the arena showered the ice with beer and beer cans. Um, what a fitting way for the Coliseum to go out and to be in attendance for that, too. Uh, I'll be telling that story for the rest of my life.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's what we call a Long Island funeral.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> so how did you get your start as a writer?
1: Well, I, you know, I was I was always an athlete growing up and really the only other thing I was good at was writing. I I took a lot of creative writing classes in high school, did a lot of poetry contests and short story contests and I won a lot of awards, so it kind of told me that, you know, maybe I was decent at at it. So, once I figured out that you could put two and two together, I made a career out of it. And I went to UMass and studied journalism with a concentration in sports journalism. I landed an internship at the Post the summer going into my senior year, and they hired me after I graduated. And I started as a general assignment reporter, but my editors always knew that hockey was my favorite. I covered the hockey team at UMass and chronicled their first run to the national championship uh which happened my senior year it couldn't have been any better planning honestly on their part uh so i got to write for a national audience and kind of got to experience that in that way and it definitely just you know made it clear to me that i wanted to stay in hockey and and try to make it to the nhl and i just i started you know, I had begged for any sort of hockey assignment. So I did a lot of the Islanders in the beginning. We weren't covering the Islanders at all. So I started covering the Islanders and I would pick up all the extra Ranger shifts and then eventually just moseyed on my way into right behind Larry Brooks.
0: <laughs> so last question here. Uh, I know, um, yeah, we've been running on here and really appreciate you coming on. Uh what do you what are your thoughts on Pekka and what it means for the kids?
1: Yeah, I think I like the staff that they put together. I think it's a very unique staff, you know, with different types of backgrounds. And I do think that those guys are going to be able to relate to the young guys pretty well. And I do think, you know, having a former player, a former captain like Pekka is going to be invaluable. Um, I'm very curious to see what the dynamic is going to be like. I think it's it's going to be a little bit different than it was last year entirely from top to bottom. So I think it could really only be beneficial. I think it'll be a breath of fresh air in a lot of different ways, especially for the kids, probably. So I think it be it could be good. I I like what they did with their staff. I really did.
0: Yeah, so do we. Yeah. Yeah. No, I uh it seems very encouraging for like the younger players, you know, to help them because this year, I know every year we say it's sink or swim, but mm-hmm. this legitimately feels like the <laughs> It's it's actually this time, actually it's the sink or swim.
1: I know, I know. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see.
0: <laughs> uh, so, Molly, thank you so much for coming on. Obviously, everyone knows uh, who you are and what you do. Uh, <laughs> but is there anything you wanted to um, put in here? Uh, Twitter handle, what you're working on article wise, or anything like that?
1: Sure. You could follow me on Twitter, Molly Walker, two E's, two R's. Um, you could listen to me on our podcast, Up in the Blue Seats, Larry, too. And I got a Laviolette feature coming out. So look out for it.
0: (laughs) All right, Molly, thank Thank you so much for coming Uh, on. really great. Yeah, thanks.